0: Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. We consider it an honor to host you. You can stay up to date with us at BethesdaChurch.tv or on Instagram. Now let's get ready for the message. We give God a hand clap of praise for his presence in this place today. Come on, you can do better than that. Come on. So good. Man, have God speak like that. Some of you are like, What just happened in here? That is called the gifts of the Holy Spirit in operation. The message in tongues, the interpretation came. That's what the Apostle Paul was teaching us in the book of 1 Corinthians. And um, what you have to understand is when tongues come and then God gives the interpretation, tongues plus interpretation equals prophecy. So God was speaking right now to Bethesda Church to let us know he sees the weight and the burden, but he can remove it in one word. So take a praise break that God can speak to your situation and change it just like that. Amen. Well, now that you know what kind of church you came to, let me just say, uh, we are honored you're here in-house and those that are watching online. We've been in a series called Shipwrecked. Uh, This is week number three, and I am teaching and preaching today on rock the boat. Go ahead and hit somebody and tell them, rock the boat. Now, in this series, we've learned that there are categories to the relationships in our life that not all relationships are created equal. We also know that healthy relationships usually have proper boundaries. Unhealthy relationships have improper boundaries. And so we've been kind of putting this together, step on, on top of step, line upon line each week to try to help us get to a place where we can discern healthy relationships and move in those but also eliminate toxic relationships. Uh, you, you have to understand you got you got relationships that you need to initiate, relationships you need to cultivate, but you have relationships you have to eliminate. Now we don't like talking about that that part of it because we all want to. You know, some of us we're like everybody's cool, we're all good, you know. But how many know that's not the way it works? that in real life you get hurt, in real life you got to work through some issues, and so we're trying to learn how to do that in this series, and um, some of us, we need to rock the boat in our relationships, and what I mean by that is that we have to become honest. Listen, if you cannot be honest in a relationship, it's not much of a relationship. That if you can't be transparent and honest and speak the truth in love and set some boundaries and things like that, then it's probably not a relationship that's going to go any deeper than what it is right now. The truth is is that many of us, we are stuck in a relationship because we've gotten comfortable with certain levels of dysfunction. And what happens is, is we, re, we learn, this is, this is sad but true, we learn how to respond through patterns that do not create health but actually create more dysfunction. And so we never create change in our relationships. We only make things worse by operating through patterns that do not promote health or the proper boundaries that we need. And I can speak on behalf of the church because I'm 43, I think. Am I 43? I think I'm 43. My goodness, I am getting old. And I've been in church my whole life. I've been pastoring this church for a long time. And I think the church has done a very poor job in helping people come out of dysfunctional relationships. And And I think it's because we have replaced speaking the truth in love with something that is not love at all. Listen guys, if it's absent of truth, it's also absent of love. But we live in a culture that we want tolerance. But in the kingdom, we want truth. Right? God, truth trumps Tolerance and love is never absent of truth. If you're one of those cookie cutter Christians, I love everybody, I love everybody, but you never give anyone truth. It's not love. Love involves truth, and and so that honesty in relationships. Listen, some of y'all need to know. I came today to to not just I'm gonna rock your boat. All right, can I just say it like that? Or y'all does that make you nervous? We some of us need the boat of our relationships, we need it shook up a little bit. We need need God to speak to it. And I believe that God wants to speak to us today about every relationship so that we can view our relationships through the proper lens. Now, when Jesus came to the earth, he came to reconcile us unto God. We know that everything Jesus does is about our relationships, our relationship with God, our relationship with one another. Jesus became the bridge between us and God, but he also came to promote peace in our relationships with one another. And so all relations, the, 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 the Apostle Paul, he said, he tore, he's tore down the wall that separated us so that our relationships could function at a certain level of peace. And, and so let's say it like this. If you know God, you shouldn't hate anyone. <laughs> Some church people, they hate people. Like, they just hate people. Listen, if, it, if God is in you and you've met him, you can't hate anyone. I'm going to take it a step further. If you know God and you're in relationship with him, then there should never, ever be racism. <laughs> ever. <laughs> Treating someone different because of the color of their skin, you don't know Jesus. Maybe you don't even know Jesus. If you, if you have that in your heart, because when God comes into the relationship, he restores this vertically, but he also promotes peace horizontally, which means that I have a lover. Now, I may not be able to fix my relationship with just me and the person, but how many know if we'll invite that third string of the cord in, the Bible teaches us that a three string cord is not easily broken, maybe that's your problem. You've been working on it and they've been working on it, but both of you may need to take a time out and invite the Holy Ghost to come in and work on it because a three string cord is not easily broken. Now, write this down, first thing I wanna give you before I give you my main points. No relationship is perfect. Your marriage is not perfect. Your your best friend, that relationship is not perfect. Your, your friendships are not perfect. Your working relationships are not perfect. Can we all agree that no relationship is perfect? Do we all agree? All right, no relationship is perfect. Now, with that being said, we do need people in our life, though they are not perfect and the relationship is not perfect, that we can count on. You you need some people that you can count on, a confidant. We talked about it in week one, that, that I can share my heart, I can share my feelings, I I can be transparent with this person, and I can count on them. Listen, if you don't have a place to confess your faults, you can't be healed. Scripture teaches us that as we confess our faults one to another, then we are healed. If you can't share your flaws, you cannot receive healing. And it's important because we don't have it all together. You don't have it all together. I don't have it all together. No preacher has it all together. We are all on a journey, and we're learning to operate in healthy relationships as we gain understanding. And so today I want to look at John 15. It's a very important scripture that I want to share with you, but it's the the passage of John 15 is is when Jesus is explaining the vines and the branches. He's talking about pruning, and he's talking about growth. And, And he's given the disciples a lesson on on how to bear fruit, but he's also changing the nature of this relationship, all right? The relationship has been at one level up to this point, but now Jesus is getting ready to change the nature of this relationship because when Jesus first found the disciples, all he said was, Come and follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. That's what he told him. And so the disciples started out. They were servers. They were learners. They, they they were being discipled. They were following his lead. They they were beholding him and watching him do ministry because they knew one day. He's, he's going to be removed, and, and he's going to go back in, to the right hand of the Father, and we're going to be put in charge of the mission. And so they are following him, and they're, they're, they're learning and serving, but Jesus comes to them in John 15 to change the nature of the relationship. In verse number 15, he said, No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. Now I want you to get this. A servant doesn't know what his master's doing. I'm no longer calling you servants, but he said, I have called you friends, all right? How is he changing the nature of the relationship? He's changing the nature of the relationship through information, all right? As long as I don't share certain things with you, you're gonna remain a servant. But since I am going to share Everything my father has shared with me, I'm not withholding anything from you, I'm actually going to move you from servant to friend. Now check this out, every person here, you've got people in your life that are ahead of you. You're watching them, you're following them, maybe they're they're a spiritual voice in your life, but they're ahead of you, okay? We would say that relationship's here. But you also have people that are doing life with you, right? You're sharing success and failures, and and you're going through life together, all right? This is the nature of that relationship. But you also should have people in your life that you are now pouring into, not so they can pull you down. No relationship should be designed to pull you down, by the way. That didn't cost you anything. But any relationship that constantly pulls you down is probably one you should eliminate. That's a good place to praise the Lord right there. But you should have someone you're investing in. So I got someone ahead of me, someone with me, but someone I'm pouring into. And Jesus said, you guys have been here because I have kept information from you. But I'm changing the nature of the relationship today, and you'll no longer be here, but you're going to be here. I'm not calling you servants. I'm calling you friends, and the way I change the nature of the relationship is by what I'm willing to share. Check this out. First point I want you to get. Number one, intimacy is information. Information. Bringing a person closer has nothing to do with physical contact or a sexual relationship. Intimacy and sex have nothing to do with one another. Our culture has taught us to be intimate means to be physical. But listen, in, within the confines of marriage, sex should only take intimacy to another level but if all you have is sex, you don't have intimacy because intimacy is information. That if you're not connecting on a mental level, a psychological level, or emotional level, but all you have is sex. People have sex all the time, and they're not really intimate. Some of y'all are like, what kind of talk are we getting right now? <laughs> what, what sermon is this? Jesus said, I'm going to bring you from the fringe, and I'm going to bring you closer, and the way I'm going to do it is by what I'm willing to share with you. It's by the information that I'm willing to give you. You may think that that person is your best friend, this, whoever that is. They are my best friend in the world. But if they are keeping information from you, you may think that's my best friend, but if there's a lot of their life they are keeping locked away from you, guess what? You're not as close as you thought you were. That, that the, the, the deeper the relationship goes, the more intimate the information that is shared. I, you know, I, a lot of people, it, it drives me nuts how some people will share their whole life with people they just met. It's like their first cup of coffee, and they've already told them everything. There, there's nothing left. It's like, but, but you have to understand that love and 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 intimacy, it, it's about sharing information. And people have to qualify for that level of information. It's your first date. It's your first cup of coffee. And you've already told him why you got divorced before. You've already told him what his mama said about you. You've already told him why, how you're battling over the kids. Listen, it's your first cup of coffee. He has not earned the right to know all those details yet. you got to make people earn that level of intimacy, that level of information but church people are crazy we meet for coffee and man we've, we've told them everything like there's nothing they don't know it's like you just met and, and, and so with what I'm, I'm trying to share with you guys just because Jesus said to, to love your neighbor he did, he did not mean trust your neighbor It's not the same thing. Love and trust are not the same. I can love you, baby, from a distance. And I may be willing to bend over backwards so that you and Jesus can be connected, but it does not mean that I'm going to place my life in your hands. you got to, if I'm going to do that, you got to earn that. Trust is earned. Honor is given. I can honor everybody, but I trust very few. And so we, we, we got to discern where we are in the relationship. Knowledge and intimacy, intimacy should be earned. Jesus said it this way. Do not cast your pearl before the swine. You know what he's saying here? Don't take the stuff that means a lot to you and give it to people that it means nothing to. If it means something to you and you're going to share it with others, you better make sure it means something to them. If not, I am casting this treasure, this pearl, and I'm, I'm, I'm putting it among, amongst the swine, I, that, the people that don't care. So one, intimacy is information. Secondly, love can only happen in proportion to knowledge. Now, this is going to be a learning curve for a lot of us because we don't understand love. I mean, we love tacos and we love our spouse. And it's all the same. I love bean burritos and love my kids. Same level, same word. We we don't understand that love is in proportion to knowledge. You cannot love someone more than you know them. Some of you have already got enough to go home, and it would fix some stuff. I can only love you based on what I know about you. And so I know the Christian thing to do is to say, I love everybody, and that's true, we love everybody, but love grows based on knowledge, based on information that is shared. Have you ever had a relationship in your life where you thought, man, that person is not who I thought they were? Anybody ever done that, or is that just me? Like, like they're just not the person I thought that they were. And, and and the reason our perception changes is because we really didn't know we didn't know enough to love on the level we were loving. Sometimes you find out you've been loving on a level, and, and the truth is you didn't have enough knowledge to love on that level. Because had you known all the details, you would have loved them maybe from a distance and not up close and personal. And, and so love grows according to, to knowledge, in proportion to knowledge. The best way I can describe this to you, you can take a man who got married, and he's been married, let's say he's been married seven years. Um, they have had him and his wife, they've ha- they got a little baby together, but he's connected to the military, and one day he's called to go into the Middle East to do battle. And he's gone for two years. The baby's one year old when, when, when daddy leaves. And he's gone two years and he comes back after two years. The family's prayed. We've just been praying protection. We hope he makes it back alive. And after two years, daddy comes home. And the baby who was one is now three. All right? Two years have gone by. And so daddy walks into the door and the baby runs over. He stops watching Mickey Mouse to run over and say, "Dad, Dad, I missed you, right? Daddy, I I love you. I'm so glad you're home. And and the the, the kid gives daddy about one minute of love and affection. And then it's like, all right, I go watch Mickey Mouse. Okay, watch. Love is in proportion to knowledge. The baby can only comprehend so much. The kid can only comprehend so much. So he gets a minute of love. Then the wife comes over and jumps up into his arms. He's holding her weight. She's kissing him, saying, I love you. I've missed you so bad. We got a date night planned for tomorrow night. I've planned two weeks of meals. Every night's going to be special. And she just loves on him for a solid 20 minutes. And he's not even able to put a bag down. I mean, she's just giving him. How I many sometimes you just got to sit there and take the love? He's just going to have to take it. She'd been waiting two years to give him that kind of love. And so she's laying it on him thick. And, and, and so she, she gave him 20 minutes, and the baby, the kid gave him one minute. Love is in proportion to knowledge, okay? They got a history. They've been together seven, eight, nine years. And so the love looks different. A little later that evening, mama comes over, the guy's mama. And all she can do is cry. And the reason, the only thing she can do is cry is because she carried that man in her womb for nine months. She gave birth to him. She changed his diapers. She put the backpack on his back for his first day of school. She walked him in to meet his first teacher. And so she's got 29, 30 years of love because love is in proportion to knowledge. It's very difficult for me to get into a relationship where you need me to connect with you and be with your friend and be your friend, but you lock me out of your life. In other words, there's certain things you are not sharing with me. My love for you can only grow as I know more about you. Are y'all with me? Now check this out. Your level of friendship is connected to your level of knowledge. Your level of knowledge is connected to your level of intimacy. Your love for that person is based in proportion to the knowledge you have about them. I can only love you based on what I know. And then once I step out, based on what I know about you, I don't step out and start trusting you with guarantees. How many know the moment you tell somebody, I love you, you have now made yourself vulnerable? People cannot hurt you unless you love them, right? And so now that I know this about you and my love is growing, I'm also becoming vulnerable. And I I really feel that there are people in this room and people watching online, and the truth is, is that you feel lonely. Many of you feel depressed, and the reason you feel depressed is because you have been isolated. And the reason you've been isolated is because you've been hurt in the past. And because you've been hurt in the past, and you've never really resolve the hurt and resolve the issues, what happens is, is you go into every relationship wounded. If we could see you spiritually, you would be bleeding out because you'd never really fix this, but you're going to walk into more relationships. And so that hurt follows you everywhere you go. And what happens if we've been hurt too many times, instead of boundaries, which is healthy, we start building walls. And the walls are to keep people out because we don't want to get hurt the way we got hurt last time. But in our attempt to protect our own heart and keep people out, what we do is we build ourselves a prison. And not not only are they trapped outside the walls, but we're trapped inside the walls. And now we can't receive or give love because we're protecting that part of our heart. See, a wall eventually becomes your prison. You build it because you don't want to feel that again. I won't let anyone past this point. They're trapped on the outside, but you're trapped on the inside. And somebody needs to hear today by the power of the Holy Spirit, you were not built by God to be trapped. You were built by God to be connected. You are built for freedom. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Nobody was built to be imprisoned by their own hurt. This is why wisdom in relationships is so important. You have to understand that some last, some don't. Some people hurt you. Some people won't hurt you. It's part of life. But you got to decide, I'm not going to be stuck in my mind and make everybody pay for what happened the last time. Some of us are making new people pay for what old relationships did. We're making new people pay for what the old relationships did. God's trying to send us some new relationships but we, we're not prepared for it. And the reason is because we've not resolved that. We've not been healed from that. And and sometimes part of rocking the boat is that you got to let them go. You got to forgive them. You've got to release them. Listen, listen, forgiveness doesn't mean we're best friends again. It's quiet in this church. Forgiveness doesn't mean that we hang out every day now. I can forgive you and love you from a distance without ever trusting you the way I used to. Now, if that's your marriage, that's a problem. That's a covenant relationship. You got to fix that. But the average Joe in your life, you don't have to hang out with him every day or trust them every day. You got to make them earn that place back into your life. Let them go. I really believe the Holy Spirit was showing me early this morning that some of us, we think if, if, if I can just get new relationships, if I can just get new people, we, we think it'll fix everything. The problem is, is that if we don't get healed from the old ones, we're going to sabotage the new ones. And so what, what, what do we do oftentimes? We, we say, well, I, I, you know, my feelings got hurt, and so I'm never going to trust again. Or, uh, I, my feelings got hurt at church. I'm, I'm going to a different church. Well, baby, all you're doing is signing up to be hurt at the new church. Because you, you're you the one that carried your hurt from the old church into the new church. I need somebody to take a praise break right now. It's true. You got to fix that stuff. So watch this. This is, this is the part I, I, I'm, I'm excited about. Because... For a relationship to be sustained, there has to be a sense of reward. We all want long-term relationships, but if we don't understand that reward is important, we will mess those relationships up. And this is going to sting a little bit for some of us because I'm speaking to some people in-house and those online right now, and you're asking the question, why do my relationships all end up bad or I end up hurt, why, why are they all broken? And I'm not saying it's, it's true in every case, but you need to stop long enough and ask, could it be that in order to be connected to you, that it, that relationship is all cost for people? There's no reward in being connected to you, it's all cost. The cost is greater than the reward. And if that's the case, guys, listen, that relationship's not going to last. God has built within all of us that in our relationships, there is a sense of reward. That yes, I'm going to bring something to you, but I need to be getting something back from you as well. Not, not just it's all cost all the time. There has to be reward attached to it. And, and so if you're one of the people that you're always making withdrawals on people, but you never make a deposit... Listen, word gets out about you. People will avoid you like the plague. You, you think COVID's bad. Come on, if you, keep, if you keep making withdrawals and you've never made a deposit, eventually you're not gonna have very many friends. And, and, and I wanna I want give context because we understand helping you out when you're in need. I I get that in my relationship. If I got a friend in need, I'm supposed to help them out. That's relationship. If they're in between jobs and need gas money, I'm going to give them the 20 bucks to put gas. I understand that's part of the relationship. Okay, that's part of what I'm signing up for. But listen, if we've been hanging out for 20 years and I have bought every hot dog, every steak, I've paid for every meal that we've ever been to and you've never done it, I gotta let you go, baby, because this is an all-cost relationship and it can't be all cost. There has to be reward attached to it. You know why it's so quiet in here? Some of us are afraid to shout about that because they're sitting close to us. Man, I, you know what? I've bought the last 10 times we went to lunch, I paid. This thing, they're always the one with drama and I'm having to give the wisdom all the time. It's all costs, no reward. That's not the, the way relationships are meant to work. And, and I, this is important. I want to slow down and say it. Any relationship that you walk into where you have a need-based mindset, in other words, you're in this relationship because of what you can get out of it, go ahead and set a timer on it because it's already started to die. At some point, you have to graduate from what am I getting out of this to what kind of value am I adding to them. I got to graduate from needing to be blessed to becoming a blessing. It's not about you adding value to me, it's about how can I add value to you. If you believe it, give God a praise right there. I, some of us were like, oh, what kind of preaching is this today? This, this, this is the kind of preaching that'll help you. See if if you recently struck up a friendship, you need to be asking yourself, you met this person, you think we have got some things in common, you need to be asking, how can I be a blessing to them? I've had to learn this from my wife. She's a lot better at this. Sometimes I get in my own. anybody like me, you ever get in your own world and you're just thinking about what you got to do? Listen, that's narcissistic behavior. You got to get you got you got to start thinking throughout your day, how can I bless someone? Are y'all with me? I, how, how can I make something easier? Not that everybody's got to make my world easier. How can I make it easier for somebody else? See, that, that's where there's give and take. That's where there's deposits and withdrawals. In, in Galatians chapter number six, verses six through nine, I'm gonna read verse six only for sake of time. But this is a principle that works in all your relationships. It says, let him who has taught the word Share in all good things with him who teaches. Now, this is a principle Paul is teaching, but he's talking about let the person who is being taught the word communicate that back to the one teaching. In other words, that it can't be one sided even at this level. Like if, it, if, if I'm out here preaching to y'all, but you never let me know that what I'm saying is making a difference in your life, that's a toxic relationship because that means I'm pouring, 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 and a lot of times, listen guys, when I'm up here preaching, it's completely by faith. I have no idea if you're getting it. I have no idea if your life is changing. The problem is, is that if I'm going to give and, and, and speak over you and give you the word, at some point, you should communicate back, hey, that blessed me, Hey, that changed my life. God put my marriage back together. Whatever God is doing, it should be reciprocated back. Can I get an amen right there? I should know that. In other words, me blessing you should not diminish me. It should not diminish me. Here's the problem you have in this role, and I want you to apply this to your relationships. In this role, I can, I can hook up with someone here at the church, they, they come, they, they've never known Jesus, they get saved. They get baptized. They get filled with the Holy Spirit. They get married and you do the wedding. They have babies, you dedicate their babies. They, then they hit a rough spot and need counseling, you counsel them. And you've been preaching to them every Sunday for years. But they've never communicated back, you know what, that's been a blessing. It's, it's changed my life. But the one time they reach back out, to you is to complain about something. So I've invested seven million hours into making your life better, and the first time you see that your pastor is human, you're going to call it out. You're, you're, you're not going to reciprocate your life's been bettered, But you're going to bring up the one thing you think, I didn't agree with that, so he needs to know it. The devil is a liar. You better pray the Holy Ghost keeps me from knocking your teeth out. Because if I can pour that much energy and anointing and word and patience and love, the least you can do. The least you can do is the one time you reach out and not criticize. It has to be reciprocated. Y'all y'all got a crazy preacher. Y'all need to know that. And and listen, sometimes when people throw shade my direction, all they doing is fertilizing my anointing anyway. I'm serious. They're just fertilizing it. Listen. That works in your relationships. I gave you that example, because if you have a friend in your life that you are constantly encouraging and constantly letting them cry on your shoulder and constantly picking them back up and paying their bills, at some point, y'all, they should do it for you. That it should be reciprocated back into your life. So important that you get that. And a lot of times people in the church get trapped in dysfunctional relationships. To where the people they're connected to only pull from them and never pour anything. Listen, you're not designed to be in relationships that are pulling you down. You're designed to be in relationships that make you better. So, so even in a relationship when I'm pouring into someone, if it ever turns and instead of me calling them higher, I can literally feel they are pulling me lower, I need to put a boundary. God is never going to set you up in relationships that pull you away from your calling or pull you away from your anointing or pull you away from having peace. Come on, you got to protect your peace. God, give us wisdom. Let us understand what a healthy relationship looks like. Every relationship has a price tag, but the reward has to outweigh the cost. Jesus said in Mark chapter 10, actually it's Peter, he said this to Jesus. He said, see, we have left all and we have followed you. So Jesus answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time. Houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecution. So Jesus is saying, anything you've given up on my behalf I'm going to give it back to you in this life, a hundredfold. And then he adds a little, and in the age to come, eternal life. So Jesus is telling us that, yes, we pick up our cross, we deny ourselves, and we follow Christ. Jesus told a group of people one day, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you'll have no part with me and the bible says that his crowd the crowds shrank during that time the relationship with god has a price tag but what jesus is telling peter anything you've given up on my behalf, if you've given up joy, go ahead and times joy by 100, it's coming back into your life. If you've been inconvenienced to follow me, then you need to know I will pour back into your life times 100. Anything you've given away. If you walked away from friends and relationships in order to follow me, Jesus said, I'll give you 100 brand new friends because there is always a reward and the reward is always is greater than the cost. I think we ought to give God a praise right now that it's payday. Anything you've given up for the gospel's cause, come on somebody, it's coming back into your life. Coming back. Come on, give God a praise right there. Go ahead and stand with me and I'll try to quit. The last thing I wanted to give you your mind has the ability to minimize or maximize any event in your life. That means when you go through an event, especially th- th- it's the hard ones that we really need to learn, that God has given us the authority to redefine the event. A lot of times we go through something hurtful and then we say things like, I'll never get past this. I'll never get over That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says the enemy is your footstool. Why don't you use that event as a place to step up to your next level? You say, well, I I just can't understand why this had to happen to me and why I had to get hurt. And, And so what we do is, is we maximize what's wrong and we minimize what's right. God has given you the authority to redefine your relationships. Two people can look at a roller coaster and one can't wait to get on it. Woo! The whole time. And one is scared to death. Same roller coaster, same experience, but they defined it differently. Some of you, you've gone through a traumatic season but you've allowed that traumatic season to define your life. And God is saying, I've given you the authority to minimize or maximize. And and so what you have to learn how to do is you gotta minimize your trouble and minimize your pain so that then you can maximize your God. (laughs) The reason we come to church and we get up and say things like give him a praise and we yell and scream like idiots, is because you've been handed trouble all week long. You've, you've been trying to figure out how to pay your bills, how to get your kids through school when they don't go half the time and they're here some and there some and, and maybe you and your spouse, you've had issues and you got all these that you've had trouble handed to you all week long. And then you get here and we say get up and give God a praise. Do you know what we're doing? We're telling you, minimize your trouble so that you can maximize your God. That that one principle will turn your marriage around. Some of us, what we do with our spouse is we minimize what they're good at and we maximize their limitations. If you would stop saying, you know what, they're gone all the time working, instead of maximizing they're gone all the time. Why don't you maximize they make good money and me and the kids are taken care of and we're in this house and we got, maybe not this morning you didn't have power, but most days we have electricity and a bed to sleep in. Instead of minimizing what's right with them, why don't you maximize what's right with them? Guys, this works in our relationships. We could all sit and nitpick what's wrong with one another But what if we started looking and maximizing what's right with one another? Give God one more praise right there. I want you to bow your heads, close your eyes, no one looking around for the next couple of moments. Every relationship has a price tag, but the reward should outweigh the cost. No different when it comes to your relationship with Jesus. The devil may be quick to tell you, you're going to have to, it's going to cost you this and you'll have to give up that. But what it will cost you to follow Jesus will pale in comparison to the peace that he will bring into your life and for the fact that you're going to have eternal life in heaven with him. So the cost is not equal to the reward, the, re- the reward far exceeds the cost. So as heads are bowed, eyes are closed, no one looking around, if you're in this place and you say, Pastor, I know the Holy Spirit is dealing with me and I need to surrender my life to Christ. I need to be saved. I want to be saved. If that is you, I'm not going to embarrass you, but if that is you, would you just throw your hand up right there where you are and say, Pastor, that's me. I want to give my life to Jesus Christ right now. I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. If that's you, would you just lift it up? One over here. God bless you. God bless you. Anyone else? You say, that's that's me. Those that are watching online, we would love to pray with you as well. Every voice lifted, say, dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I'm a sinner. I've committed sins. I need a Savior. I can't save myself, so I ask you, Jesus, to save me and to change me. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, give those folks that prayed a big hand clap. It's so good. Prayer team and staff, if you would, go ahead and get in place. Church, I want to say something. i want to use this as a teaching moment. This prayer time, I know it got a little weird with COVID and what to do. and We're trying to do this as safe as possible. But the altar in God's eyes has always been a place of exchange. It's where we bring our ashes and God gives us beauty. It's where we bring our sickness and God gives us healing. And our prayer team and I, we're really stepping up the prayer game right now because we believe that the altar and prayer is powerful in the life of every person. I'm looking across this room right now and as Pastor Jay said earlier, I'm looking at miracles. I, I, I know some of your stories I know what God has done for you I, I know the marriages that God has put back together I know the ones that have been healed from cancer and other things and, and we have to know that even in the midst of COVID in the midst of every all of that stuff we can't stop laying hands on the sick so that they can reg- God's not going to change His word to accommodate us come on church if you believe that? If you believe it, give him a praise right now. During this last song, if you need prayer, please come and get it. Thanks for joining us today. If you would like to support this ministry financially, you can go to BethesdaChurch.tv slash give. We'll catch you on the next episode. Have a great day.